Welcome to Crawl Space. I'm Tim here today with Lance. Lance, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic today, Tim. Really, I hope everyone listening is doing well, and it looks like you're doing pretty well. Uh, how's the how's the uh, the health? How are you feeling? How are you? <laughs> Feeling fine over here, Lance. Thanks for asking. Excited about this episode. We recorded it a few weeks ago on one of our Crime and Culture Live nights. And these are shows that we do usually every other Tuesday night. And it streams live to Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook. So you should join those next time you see them promoted. They're a lot of fun. And Lance, our guest on this one is Jordan Bonaparte from the Nighttime Podcast. We love Jordan. We love him. Old friend Jordan, it had been far too long since he'd been on the uh, show, and uh, it was a great way to bring him back on these uh, Crime and Culture Live, these virtual live shows. Uh, quick note on that. If you do join, you can contribute to the conversation, and we had a good one going uh, that night, that Tuesday night with Jordan on YouTube. You can comment. You can interact with the community that is ever-growing. I think we had about 13,000 people in the chat room for Jordan's show because he is not only the, uh, not only has he taken Canada by storm, he's infiltrated the United States as well. It's a, uh, it's a non-hostile takeover of Jordan Bonaparte <laughs> in the Nighttime Podcast. Check out what he does at nighttimepodcast.com. Yeah, he does a lot of great stuff, and we talk about some of his episode series in this uh, interview, and one of them is Glove Guy, and you're going to hear some about that later in the episode, and you really got to go check out Glove Guy. We actually did an episode with Jordan about Glove Guy, so you can scroll back in our feed, too, and just find that episode, but you really want to hear the original episodes that Jordan produced on these because it's really quite startling. It's just a, it's just a weird internet story. It's creepy and funny all at the same time. And we do get a little bit more serious when we talk about the uh, latest school shootings that happened in Texas, in Uvalde, Texas. And Jordan gave us his really important take from being a Canadian citizen, gave us his take on that. And I would just recommend that you listen to that, take what he has to say to heart. And it's not super heavy. We don't keep it, you know, doom and gloom, but we have to address it because we did record it right around the time when this happened. And, you know, since then there have been other ones. And I think just what he says in his perspective is very important for everybody to hear. Yeah, it's kind of hard to avoid that topic when we recorded it uh, the day after the Uvalde massacre, and we speak a little bit about that and a little bit about the Buffalo mass shooting that happened recently as well. And look, it's not political. It's not American political. We It's viewed through the eyes of someone who is a Canadian, someone who does not have any rooting interest in politics in America. But it's interesting because it's a problem that it is a uniquely American problem. And for those of you who don't know, we are going to be on tour with the fine folks from True Crime Obsessed in August. We're going to be in Florida, Atlanta, St. Paul, Minnesota, and then Dallas and Houston. You can get your tickets in your corresponding cities at truecrimeobsessed.com click on the cs live and you'll be led right to the link to the tour okay everybody so i really hope you enjoyed this conversation make sure to follow jordan on social media and follow us on social media and on tiktok thanks a lot everybody
I, I, uh, having a hard time getting pumped up for shit lately, guys. Whoa, what's wrong, Lance? It's it's really it it's tough, and we'll we'll let this go. Um, I mean, I don't know if this is crime or culture, but we got to get it out there. Nineteen parents woke up without a child oh. without a kid this morning mm. for no for no reason, mm. other than we can't get our shit together. Mm. It's hard to watch this from the from across the border here. It's it seems like a uniquely American issue. It is. It is. Uh, what? So I want to get your. You know, I don't want to. I, I want to try to have fun with this, but I don't want people to. I want people to know that there's a giant elephant in the room, mm-hmm. and we're. You know, for as lighthearted as we come across, like it's. It's not easy. It's hard to talk about anything else right now. Well, what my perception is, it's like it's. It's just another deflating disappointing heartbreaking example of something that just happens time and time again uh, like i was just it, like days ago was reading about the supermarket shooting in buffalo and being blown away and shocked and horrified that this ha- that that happened then you know we have this and as a father of young children myself the idea of it happening in an elementary school like to say that it's a sacred place is like just an understatement, like the fact that something like this can find its way into an elementary school um, is just horrifying as a parent and as a human being. But I think what what bothers me the most is that everyone will now go, politicians and policymakers and business owners will find themselves making statements, denouncing this and sending their thoughts and prayers, but something has to change. It's yeah it's just frustrating it's so frustrating that you just want i want to beat my head off the wall but i I don't know my thought is when you look at the numbers in the united that in the united states there's something about america that this happens statistically more often there than in other parts of the world um I know gun control and gun ownership and gun rights is a huge political issue but more Americans, yeah, I think I saw 1.3 guns per person in the United States, which blows away other countries. The ability to get a firearm in America is a lot easier than a lot of other countries. I don't know. I don't, something has to change. I, I think I know what it is, but it's such a political issue. Um, I could go on forever about it, but what it reminds me of is what we saw kind of just go on over the last few years with the whole debate about masks and vaccines and all this stuff that also became a political issue where making a statement either for or against uh, public safety measures was much bigger of a statement than it being a public safety measure it was a political ideological statement and that's kind of how i see gun control in fact just this morning i shared a post from the um the senator of texas who's the senator i think the senator is the right word but he is the politician who's uh covers the territory where the shooting in texas took place just a year ago he made a statement uh, or a post on Twitter kind of celebrating the fact that he voted no in a gun control kind of decision that was happening. Uh, I shared that being like, you know, he posts this and a year later, 19 kids are and a teacher are dead. Um, and I immediately started getting people writing to me saying like, 
even if the guns were illegal, this guy could still have gotten guns. Look at, you know, and then they give the whataboutisms of kind of other cases where someone illegally got guns. But it's just like, well, if it was harder to get guns, maybe, you know, maybe this wouldn't have happened. Maybe it would have, but maybe it wouldn't have. It's just guns shouldn't be on your 18th birthday. You shouldn't be able to go get an AR-15 automatic rifle, in my opinion. Typical Canadian. Typical Canadian. No. <laughs> well, totally, yeah, totally, totally hear you on that. And there's more and more, Tim and I riffed about this a little while ago. There's more and more evidence that is so obvious that this country is so emotionally uh, damaged. It's a multi-pronged issue. What, what we're talking about, the gun control mixed with uh, mental, um, you know, emotional health, mental health. Um, it's it's incredible how it all comes together. Mm-hmm. And and you, someone who someone who hasn't had proper uh, treatment if for a condition that would require just a little bit of counseling, some therapy has such easy access to a weapon. Then you get your trigger and then it's then then you have something that like what happened yesterday or or what happened at the supermarket in uh, in Buffalo. Um yep. and, and just I often go back to when, when we're talking about like gun control and the debate that surrounds that. Uh people in Canada or well, people around the world will say, yeah, we have stricter rules in Canada, but it can still happen here. And they can cite examples of when there was mass shootings, like in Nova Scotia, two years ago, we had Canada's worst act of gun violence, where a, a man dressed as a police officer went on a killing spree and killed 22 people over a period of 13 hours. He was using illegal firearms that came to him through the U.S., um, but anyway, but even whether guns are legal or illegal, they can still find their way here and people can use them. But I think a lot of one story that we talked about on, on your show before, which is um, a, a young woman from the United States met a guy online who's from my city of Halifax. And she came here with him with the plan of shooting up a shopping mall. Uh, they were obsessed with Columbine and they saw themselves as the reincarnations of Dylan and Eric, the Columbine shooter. So again, they came here to commit a mass shooting at a sh- the shopping mall near my house. And I did. we talked about the series of episodes I did about it, but that, that shooting didn't happen. They ended up getting arrested before they had a chance to do it. But a big part of their planning and a big issue they were running into is they weren't able to get ammunition for the guns they had and the guns that they did have were um like a hunting rifle and a shotgun not automatic weapons like these would be the type where you would shoot once and put another bullet in and shoot again so even if they had have gotten to the mall with the weapons that we would have access to as a typical canadian you know it wouldn't have been this kind of carnage like what we saw you know in the shopping mall or the elementary school in the united states over the last few weeks but also in seeing uh, when i was reviewing that case um the the woman from the united states name is lindsay suvanaroth but when i was reviewing the the planning in the chat logs of the plan into this mall shooting so much of the discussion was like we need to find someone who has a license to buy bullets we need to get them you know we'll offer them money see if we can get them to buy his ammunition and they just couldn't do it so they had like you know 15 bullets maybe that they were going to plan to go to the mall with but in the united states my understanding at least is you can basically go to like you know the flea market on the weekend if you guys call them flea markets there and just buy a bunch of ammunition <laughs> they, we do call them flea markets. Okay. Which is, there we are could flea really, markets. We yeah. could unpack that name. 
How did <laughs> yeah, that even seriously. happen? How do you? I think fleas? that name's no appropriate. Uh, completely <laughs> appropriate. Go to one. I yeah, mean, you'll yeah. get fleas. <laughs> Is it better yeah. than the uh, hepatitis mall? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. There's uh, there there are stores that sell ammunition. I mean, I drive up to see my family on occasion in New Hampshire, and I drive by at least at least like three that I know of that are, you know, guns and ammos, guns and ammos, guns and ammo. We're sounding like real firearms enthusiasts here. <laughs> they had a whole bunch of ammos. Yeah, you get the, you, yeah, yeah. You'd load your your pistol with the ammos. <laughs> I assume. I am shocked though. We we were talking about how how this is a, a bit. Um, it's obviously a global problem: mass shootings and school shootings. But America takes takes the cake, like, and it's not even close. It's it's not even close. Look at the numbers in 2022 alone. Mm-hmm. 288 school shootings in America. Second is Mexico with eight. Ay, ay, ay. And that's from worldpopulationreview.com. So oh, this is but a, those that yeah. those Mexicans that look out for them. So dangerous. One thing I I don't know how many stats and numbers you got there, Tim, but one thing that I read that was really eye opening. It was a I think a New York Times article that was recently published that went through the steps you need to take to actually get a firearm in different countries and like how many steps and what it was. And in America, like by far was the easiest. It was basically like, you know, go to a gun store and you um, actually I have it in front of me here. You go to a gun store and you can pass an instant background check that considers criminal convictions, domestic violence and immigration status. Then you're able to buy a gun. It's like an immediate thing. Uh, When I read for Japan, which has, like mass shootings are almost non-existent there. It's a 13 step process. I'm not going to read through all 13 of them, but just to give you a sense to, if you want to get a firearm in Japan, it needs to, you start by taking a firearm class, which includes a written exam. And these classes are only held three times a year. The second step is you have to go to a doctor to get a doctor's note confirming you're mentally fit and don't have a history of drug abuse. The third is you apply for a permit to take firing training and the permit takes over a month to be reviewed. The fourth is you describe in a police interview why you need a gun. That's step four of 13. I won't keep going, but... I am really fascinated by that. I don't even know what to do anymore. I mean, we also talked about that. Like, I don't even know what to do. Like, I've written my, my state representatives. I've I've done the, the, the things online to contact and, and try to support. And the only thing we have is our platform with a podcast that talks about true crime that we can just vent now. That's all That's all I know mm-hmm. to do. We just vent. It, it's such a huge issue. And it's not like, and to even say, like, to talk about gun control, which we have been doing, that's one part of it. But there's all these other problems that all kind of merge together. Someone who's mentally ill right now, for one, is um, the holes there are to fall through within society seem to be getting bigger and bigger. So many of these cases, when you learn about the person responsible, you see that there was just a huge amount of times that there was either red flags raised or they needed help and they weren't getting help despite being identified as someone who likely needed help. You know, so there's all this stuff that goes on. Um, and, and then there's just also, and we're probably have a, our toes in this a little bit, but there's also the 
media and how the media covers mass shootings. Like when this one happened in at the school in Texas, it was very quickly, you know, this is the second worst mass murder in Texas and the first in this elementary school. And, you know, so there's all these like standings and stats. And I, can, I would bet my life that the guy who went into the school in Texas and shot all those kids had spent the last few days reading about what the guy in Buffalo did. And the guy in Buffalo was probably reading about what the person before him did. And so, I, yeah, I don't know what the, the, there's no easy answer, but, but what is happening is nothing. Like nothing is changing whatsoever. Yeah. You're talking about, uh, stats and you're right. The media does kind of keep stats. Um, I think the shooters do too. Like, Certainly I think they, do. they have goals. Like, uh, if you listen to the incel project, Nama Cates has, has worked on that show for a long time and she's actually, um, helped on the violence project book which I, I would like to bring up in in a moment but that is something that that certain people um i believe who have who have attempted or committed mass shootings have sort of talked about how they're trying to beat certain other people things like that yeah so it's, oh, it's, it's certain it's certainly a thing i've i've yeah. seen and i'm sure nama kates has seen similar kind of dark spots on the internet where there's fandom that surrounds mass shooters. Um, it, it, you've probably, I'm sure you've heard of the kind of the subculture of a Columbiner, which are people who look at the perpetrators of the Columbine high school shooting as like cult heroes. They make graphic designs of them as if it's, you know, Batman and Robin who've done this amazing thing. And it's not these tiny little dark corners of the internet. These are places where there are communities who are involved in this. So it's, it's it's scary. It's a scary time, and it's the internet gives these bizarre ideas and communities the ability to grow and suck in other people, and they slowly become radicalized or desensitized. Like for example, the guy who um, committed the shooting at the sh at the grocery store in Buffalo. My understanding is his radicalization, if you want to call it that. Uh, about the you know the bizarre white replacement theory or whatever that his manifesto talked about uh, that was something that kind of just came to him while reading on the internet during the pandemic and within a year or so he was so you know radicalized and to it that you know this is how it ends for him but right and and that's pretty quick in a year to be to become uh that radicalized um here on uh, off-ramp.org, and that, that's a site that's run by the same people who run the Violence Project. And uh, they say here, the road to violence is long. Let's build more exits. A mm. um, couple of things about that. It, it doesn't happen instantly. You know, someone doesn't get angry, and then, you know, th this, is a, a, this is a process that builds in this person. I mean, m maybe, like, like, if they get fired from work, maybe that's a, a little bit of a different trigger. Than, than the school shooting or something like that. But let's build more exits. This this website helps. This this can help with intervention. I mean, that's that's something that you can start with. And you can take a page out of uh, Canada's book and invest in your citizens. And, and this is incredibly important. I mean, imagine how much more productive and how much more uh or how healthier how people would be your communities would be if they were given I, I i don't think i'm not saying canada does this but you know the universal health care and uh couple that with um 
uh, minimum income, like a like a mandatory minimum income. If you were to provide that to your citizens, you're you're provide you're like you're, you're taking stress away. People people are stressed to the point where it takes nothing to trigger them anymore, mm-hmm. and and it's just going to get worse. I mean, everyone was just inside for two years. Like people people aren't are like are are just getting used to seeing other faces again. Uh, all of this is like like coming to this like boiling point mm-hmm. uh, if you need to invest in your communities and mm-hmm. and make sure that they're able to operate and be as productive as possible because that's healthy we're certainly in a pressure cooker right now there's a lot uh, there's always a lot going on in the world but right now i think it's fair to say there's a lot going on with the pandemic and loss of jobs the cost of everything is sky high I find not only is the cost of everything sky high, availability is is really tough, but also even just the service you get at places. I find everything takes longer and costs more now, and there's like all these extra hoops you have to jump through. But um, but overall, like I just think, you know, people are just um, I don't know. We need to look out for each other and kind of, but at the same time, you need to be careful and pay attention to what's going on around you. I'm not crazy. I wasn't crazy about crowds before. COVID and all this stuff. And I'm, I hope to never go back to like packed buildings. I'm staying in my basement. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Thanks to our sponsors. And now we're back to the program. You've been doing this series with an old friend of yours called Keep Canada Weird. And uh, I would love to get into this a little bit and uh, sort We're of lighten the... Uh, We're not doing Mothman. I can't light- do Mothman. <laughs> no, no, no. This is Canada. <laughs> Mothman didn't, didn't hit up didn't uh, hit up Canada. No, he left. He didn't come this way. No. <laughs> he was close, though, near uh, Lake Michigan. Yeah. Like, he almost, almost passed through customs. Yeah. Um, no, but Keep Canada Weird is the name of a series. So I, I kind of did, like, I model a lot of what I do after you guys. And what I, um, what I've we done. We will immediately send you a cease and desist. Oh, for it. Um, <laughs> What I've done is I have kind of like on my show nighttime, I have like these sort of ongoing series uh, and I try to regularly schedule them. So every every Tuesday night, my like lifelong bestie and I do um, a, an episode called Keep Canada Weird, where what we do is we'll we'll take like a week's worth of weird and offbeat and unusual Canadian news stories and we just talk about them and, and break them down much like much like you both do with with so much stuff on your shows and your series but um it, it just it gets interesting because what has happened now is people who listen to my show uh are, are very quick to send weird little localized stories from their hometown that i would never have found out about for example uh just tuesday night so just last night we did an episode where it was um there was this thing going around in the news from the province of BC where um, a woman was nursing her infant. So she was putting her baby to bed. She was nursing the baby. She had just her underwear on. So she's topless nursing the baby. And she heard, uh, and she has um, pet geese. And she heard, she could hear her goose like freaking out. And she knew something was wrong because a goose, I guess, kind of like a dog, it, it make a different sound when it's panicking or whatever. So she, while nursing the baby, in her underwear, she goes out to her front door and she sees an eagle had swooped down and is trying to fly away with her goose. So while still holding the baby and nursing, she runs up the driveway trying to like 
you know, attack the eagle to get it away from her goose. Fortunately, she has like a video doorbell that records the whole thing. And uh, so she and she shared it. I guess she's on TikTok or something. So in the video, you see her while breastfeeding in her underwear, chasing an <laughs> eagle that's trying to fly away with her goose. So that's just an example of like the kind of the kind of stories that we would feature on, on Keep Canada Weird. And I love doing it. I look forward to it all week. Was it a bald eagle? No, it was just a big, mean eagle. I don't I, know if I it was bald. I watched that video. Yeah, I, I actually, I'm pretty sure it was Mothman. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Tim, come on. How do you Lance do it, Lance? Lance hates Mothman so much. He hates him oh, so it's much. It's been nonstop Mothman and D.B. Cooper for like two weeks. <laughs> really? It's a special kind of torture for Lance. <laughs> Yeah, we I, haven't I even aired I, the DB Cooper conversation yet. Right. We have to. Prom- we're gonna go through a week of promoting it. Oh God, we're gonna, gonna do the intro for it. We gotta promote it. We gotta talk about it after the fact. <laughs> oh my goodness, I I think like what I what really some revelations happened during the past couple of weeks. I realized why I don't like DB Cooper, and it's got nothing to do with DB Cooper. It's because I'm not a fan of Treat Williams the actor. Uh, he played D.B. Cooper, and it like I never saw the movie because I just I just don't like someone whose name is Treat. I just it's not I'm not. Wait, so Treat Williams played D.B. Cooper? Is that what happened? I believe Treat Williams played D.B. Yeah, Treat Williams played D.B. Cooper in The Adventures of D.B. Cooper, whatever <laughs> movie that was. Back really, in, like, I never even heard yeah. of that. And Treat Williams oh, yeah. is such an uh, obscure actor too to really ruin your uh, your opinion of an entire case. <laughs> Well, that, I think that's where the the issue lies. So, what's with the obsession with DB Cooper? This is like a isn't this like a, a sixty year old case? Are you guys hoping to solve it? I wish. I wish someone yes. would solve it. I think we did. I'm pretty sure we did on our late on our newest episode coming <laughs> next week. Uh, no, I don't know. We we have a a, a buddy who um, he's been on the uh, on the show a few times. His name is Eric Ulis. He's looked into um, the case and. Uh, you know, for like 14 years or something like that, he's been there digging on the beach and things like that. And, uh, you know, I, I find it fascinating. I, I like it almost. I feel like I like it so much because it's harmless. Like I, I can throw out stupid theories or we can make fun of Treat Williams and there's no real life uh, ramifications. <laughs> you know, I like doing those sometimes. Very few real life ramifications. I mean, he was he was polite to a fault when he was on the plane. Like he he shared cigarettes with the with the uh, flight attendant as they sat together. You know, he really wanted to make the the uh, a fun fact is like no one knew the plane was hijacked until they land mm-hmm. until they landed, and then they were told like why they made a uh, an emergency landing, and they were you know they had no idea that they were being hijacked because he didn't want to upset them. Um, and he you know. He, it was a gentleman. He was the gentleman, the gentleman's <laughs> criminal, um, uh, who, who eventually just dove to his death out of an airplane, I believe. <laughs> well, I, I'm, I think I'm in the camp now that he probably survived. How no one's that you, badass. Jordan. No one's that bad. Where they like hijack a plane, have a drink, or nice to everyone, just like with the money, like see you guys, oh. jump out of the plane and walk off. No one's. You got to cool. listen to the episode. I don't want to give away any spoilers. But um, you you have to listen to the episode. He 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 knew what kind of plane he was going to. Oh God, there we go. There's Treat Williams. <laughs> so you you're on to DB Cooper. Well, um, it's it's a it's a cool mystery. It's a it's a fascinating story. If you guys solve it, it'll be your big break for sure for Crawl Space. Well, Eric Ulis is going to solve it. And we'll just ride his coattails. No, yeah, you yeah. know the news. Is he a podcaster? 
No, he's done some um some like Discovery Channel documentaries and um things like that. He's really dove deep into uh into the case. Okay. Um I think he does some like tours too and and things like that. It's kind of an interesting angle. I mean, I th- I think there there's a, a good chance that uh based on our conversation with him that like uh DB DB's parachute is out there, maybe mm-hmm. buried in a similar place to where that money was buried. Um, that that is that would be like a goosebump inducing. I feel like if if they were to just somehow excavate the parachute. Oh yeah, it'd be fascinating. That'd be a huge deal. But it's the problem is when I hear any update in a classic case like DB Cooper or Amelia Earhart, it, it's it's like all right, come on. Like there'll be some little update, and then someone has a book to go along with it. I just take everything about those cases with a grain of salt for those reasons. But if they did find a parachute and they could confirm it was the one he used, man, that'd be a big deal. I want to ask you guys about something. You're doing, um, I, I saw a recent announcement. You're like doing a tour this summer. We are. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I'm yeah, sure you've would. talked about it a lot on your show, so I don't want you to uh, beat a dead horse, but no. why no Canada? Great oh, question. we're not in control of this, but that is a good question. I blame Treat Williams, but um, <laughs> I have to admit it's it's probably not his fault at all. Um, we, we're the obsessed network has set up this tour and we're hitting up six cities, Orlando, West Palm beach, Atlanta, St. Paul, Dallas, and Houston. They're all happening in the month of August, 2022, August, no Canada. You're going, yeah. to, that's like the Southern part of the U S <laughs> how hot is it going to yeah. be? Oh, in Dallas in degrees? August, it's going to be goddamn roasting. It's a sweat fest with obsessed network. It, yeah, the, the the sweat fest. Yeah, that's exactly what it'll be. Wow, and um, and this is like a Maura Murray themed event that you're doing, right? Yeah, so it's um the show we've done this show a couple of times before, three times before. Once in New York, once in Boston, and once in Philly, and um it's it's basically a roast of the people who were in the documentary. Okay. Um, and and specifically the non victims or secondary victims, like it's it's really we're talking we're talking me, Lance, Maggie mostly, uh, Renner. Renner a little bit, maybe John, maybe I'm not sure if John Smith is mentioned much in the show. Uh, Josh, our cameraman, is mentioned in the show. Yeah. So it's it plays out like a roast a little bit where we're sitting on stage and they'll play some clips on the screen behind us. And then he'll, you know, they'll pause it. And and then Patrick's got like a laser pointer and he's like, what were you doing here? <laughs> okay. So almost like a live yeah. version of obsessed sort of, of true crime. It, it, obsessed. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Okay. That yeah. sounds awesome. I wish I could go, but that's far too hot for me. <laughs> I well, went to we'll St. Paul. What is that? Not that's Minnesota. Mi- that Minnesota. Minnesota. Well, can, Twin might Cities. Get some, might get humid in yeah, but you, hey, you might be able to see the Mothman if you uh, bring your binoculars. Oh, that's right. cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll see so, if I can get that on my list. I'll, I'll tell you, Mrs. Nighttime is a huge fan of Patrick. Uh, Patrick Hines. Oh, great. Right? Yes, Patrick yeah. Hines. Yep. Yeah. I, well, it's spelled Hins, but it's pronounced Hines. <laughs> but he's often yelling from my bathroom shower. She has like a Bluetooth speaker, <laughs> so I'll like come home from work and I just hear him screaming, and she's in the shower. <laughs> that's amazing. Screaming that's about great. a documentary. <laughs> it's like my yeah. crazy roommate patrick <laughs> yeah no it is a great time uh no one leaves that show without without having laughed a lot and i think they they feel that that it's a very um entertaining and fun show 
Um, there is nothing offensive that will happen on stage. Uh, if anyone in that building is to is going to be offended it's probably us on the on people stage. on stage because yeah. <laughs> we're made fun of directly like okay. there's you know there is no nothing even close to the line um as far as more or more family goes mm-hmm. yeah I, I gotta say they they do a really good job balancing that roast element with uh the the respect for the actual case in which they're you know in which that documentary or that docuseries is covering because mm-hmm. You know, essentially, they're roasting the people who are on screen. It's completely separate from any information that's being given about the missing person. But they're so popular. True Crime Obsessed is so popular that they're harnessing like that, that visibility. They're raising the visibility of this. And they know that they're doing that. And people, they figured it out. They figured out how to make that balance happen. Yeah. And they do it in, in a unique way that's on brand for them. It's um, it, it, and it's a fine line and it's a difficult line to walk. Um, whether it like even balancing kind of a true crime discussion with entertainment like that is difficult, but then to match and then to change entertainment for like humor and entertainment, that is a really difficult line to walk, but they, they do it really well. I've, I've listened to a lot and I've never been offended or thought they even went near the edge which like I, I would never try to do that on my show i'd be terrified yeah definitely takes a special kind of skill and you know i think for them for patrick and jillian it, it all really comes from the heart and that's where it that's where it starts you know like you can't you can't do that show and be, be faking it in any way shape or form oh yeah exactly you, know? you need to like be that person to be able to pull that off and we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors Thanks to our sponsors. And now we're back to the program. Jordan, I would love to ask you about your new line of uh, T-shirts, especially this one. I heard this one advertised on your show recently. That's a big and I, seller. <laughs> I can imagine. No glove, no love. Yeah, tell us about the shirt. Yeah, so I've been... Um... I just I love graphic design and I'll just get I'll see something or think of something and I'm like oh, I gotta make a sh- like a design and a shirt about that um, and somebody I, I posted a shirt that I had made actually it's the shirt I'm wearing do you know that you, did you ever play the video game called Maniac Mansion no was, I've okay, heard it was of a it. big video game like in the 80s uh, but yes, anyway I've heard of that okay well this is like a still from the game Maniac Mansion <laughs> but anyway I, I posted it online and someone's like you know, let me know when you do it, when you got a glove guy shirt. Uh, and I thought, Oh, I should do one. Um, and then I was like, maybe I'll use, I could use his logo. And I was like, no, he'll probably show up at my house wearing like someone's <laughs> face on his face. Um, <laughs> is what I was thinking. And then I ended up, uh, thinking of different phrases that involved glove that wasn't specific to him. So I would have at least some plausible deniability, I think is the word. Uh, and I came up with the no glove, no love. And, uh, that design i saw someone wearing it and the shirt looks amazing <laughs> i'm gonna get one making the the shirts are a lot of fun i was at, when i did the no glove no love i was half expecting to get an email from our my old friend but i haven't heard from him in two years or so so good riddance bud I- <laughs> and, uh, have those you, might uh, be my favorite episodes that you've done that those episodes uh, are amazing they're they're still on your feed yeah they they were my favorite episodes until the email started <laughs> and the police showed up <laughs> it's the most it's the most ridiculous haunting like comically terrifying 
Yes. I know. It uh, just it's unique. The it's issue unique. is that he lives in the same city as me. If this person lived anywhere else where they couldn't like drive to or run into me at the mall or something, that wouldn't have been two episodes. It would have been a spin-off podcast where I did Absolutely. weekly episodes. <laughs> um, but I I made the decision like no, it, I was like this story's amazing and I like I love hearing about it, but uh it's not worth possibly being beheaded over. <laughs> is that guy still driving around is he is he still driving people around or or do you know i hear from i hear not from him i hear from people who see him constantly like i'll get because people still will share and go back to those episodes that i did about him so i'll just randomly get a message on instagram i probably get one a month being re realistic that'll say crazy i got this crazy glove guy story saw him last week and or i saw him 15 years ago and just people will just come to me because i guess there's nowhere really to share those stories and so i i've <laughs> yeah i get them all the time but he's he's certainly still very busy on the weekends uh selling gloves passionately <laughs> <laughs> passionately he was a passionate glove salesperson actually we talked about flea markets earlier i believe uh he sets up at a flea market in halifax is what i heard and sells gloves of course. What else would he sell, Lance? I don't know. <laughs> what else would he sell? You guys got to come to Halifax and go undercover. I know. We really do. And yeah. Yeah, oh, you better believe it. We're going to that flea market when, oh. when we get to Halifax. I got to. I got to lay my own eyes on this oh, dude. Yeah, I got to lay you. my own hands on his gloves. Oh, I need to. I need geez. to explain to him that I have. I, I hope have he's stubby sausage right fingers, and he needs to figure out a glove that'll fit oh, me. Oh, he'd love the That's rubble flying on close him. to the sun, Lance. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. That's what I do. <laughs> he's going to ask you if you need a ride home. Aye, and I'll aye, accept. Aye. <laughs> I'll accept, and I'll tell, I'll tell him I live in Dallas, Texas. And yeah. We'll, we'll mic <laughs> you good. up and feed you to the wolves. <laughs> mic me up. If anyone does not know what we're talking about, you've got to scroll back in Jordan's nighttime podcast feed and check out the Glove Guy episodes. Um, I promise you, you won't be disappointed. It is such a unique story, comical and creepy at the same time. It uh, evokes emotions you probably won't even realize that you uh, you could evoke in, you, in yourself. Yeah, it's, which are basically like different layers of cringe or different yeah. levels of cringe. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's... One of the things that I love about doing my show is is the little weird freaky stories that pop up from across Canada that um, the, people really haven't looked at to any depth. And I've taken some of them on and Glove Guy is one. He was like a um, almost like a fairy tale or a cautionary tale that I've heard since I moved to Halifax 20 something years ago that there's this guy who will pick you up and uh, offer you drugs if you try to, if you're willing to try on his gloves, um, and then it turns sexual. And I was like, that's too crazy to be true. Uh, when I decided to look into it on the show, it's very true. And it seems like just about everybody or their roommate or their friend or their coworker had been in this guy's car over the years. And, um, but I also learned that, uh, <laughs> Not everybody likes their dirty laundry aired on podcasts. Uh, Glove Guy certainly did not like my episodes about him. In fact, it became a national news story uh, when he uh, tried to get revenge against me through, um, I think you call it cyber squatting. He set up Facebook and websites that kind of looked like mine. He wrote to news outlets in my province telling them that he now owns my show. 
um yeah it was wild what a time <laughs> what did what an amazing uh nemesis to oh, yeah. encounter oh exactly yeah but it was all, it. Uh, as far as my downloads and stuff go that is my most downloaded show by far and it's all thanks really? to his unintentional um promotional assistance and marketing savvy uh he stumbled into like just some amazing marketing it was uh cbc which is like our national news whatever in canada they did a national story all about him being mad about my episode uh basically and in when that came out my downloads went crazy and then vice magazine or vice.ca which is a big canadian kind of arts culture pop culture kind of uh website um they saw how bizarre the story was so they did a story and my downloads went higher and then somehow last podcast on the left found out about it and they at during one of their episodes talked about it and named me their hero of the week and oh, again wow. my downloads <laughs> so it's like if you look at my like analytics for my downloads and my episodes like it just does this and then it's like glove guy <laughs> and now i'm just back down to like a nobody again for the last three years <laughs> but it's just a well, shame i couldn't milk it without maybe getting killed he's probably doing he's probably saying the same things he's probably at these flea markets and he's like man this jordan really like sent my gloves into like this next stratosphere of sales he's probably he probably can't keep up with the sales maybe yeah right he, he did not seem to have like in the emails that didn't seem like there was a positive side from his point of view <laughs> <laughs> but maybe maybe yeah he's probably marketing gloves that have like a version of your logo on it like mm. like you're doing with him mm, <laughs> like, maybe the the videos that that you put out of him um a i think only after the first episode that you did was yeah these ones, he would put they the gloves were, on, and they were surreal AF, Jordan. I, I couldn't, I, I literally couldn't believe it. I was like, "What? You did this? You somehow filmed this? Uh, this is a trailer for your next episode or something?" It just, it was too surreal. It is, it is some really weird it's stuff. It's a bit, it's a bit David Lynch. Oh, it's certainly. I got the, I have the Chevron yep. over here. Um. Another story. This is one I don't know if I ever told you guys about this. Do you know who Tanetta is? Has that, does this mean anything to you? I don't think so. So Tanetta is this man in Toronto, Ontario. Uh, he's now, I think he's 73 years old. And since the 60s or 70s, he's been writing, recording and releasing music. Um, and he's what you would call like an outsider artist. He's never been popular, but he's been prolific, making tons of music and finding a way to share it. So what he used to do in like, you know, the 80s is he would walk around downtown Toronto with songs that he wrote, uh, recorded on cassettes, and he'd just pass them out. And he'd say, you know, I'm, I'm Tanetta or I'm Tony. You know, here's a tape of my music. That wasn't getting him anywhere. He's putting up posters and stuff. What he started to do after that was he would go to video rental stores and he'd rent whatever the popular movie was and bring it home. And in the middle of the movie, he would overdub it and put a video he would make of him dancing to like a song he wrote. So if you're watching, I don't know, like Ferris Bueller's Day Off, the movie would play and then all of a sudden it would just a video of like a man miming lyrics and playing and dancing with his guitar would happen. So he did that for years. Nobody did anything or cared about him. Uh, then YouTube came out and somehow he 
from the time that VHS ended until YouTube started, he was just alone in his apartment making these videos and going further and further towards the fringe of what music can do. Um, when YouTube came out, at this point, he created this character. His name is Tony, but he created a character named Tanetta, which is kind of like a female version of himself. Uh, and he would wear this little mask that's kind of like, just like a blank female face and he would paint it. And he usually was dressed very provocatively, like um, like so scantily clad that a lot of his videos were taken down because he's almost naked. And the music, it, by the time he's on YouTube, um, is pretty much uh, the most explicit music you'll ever hear somebody sing. Um, I don't know if you can cue up music or anything, but if you want to watch it to get a sense, like a video you'd want to watch is, there's one called pressure zone by Tanetta or uh eight inch cock by Tanetta is another one and it's it kind of imagine like if john lennon spent the last 20 years taking ecstasy at like a, a rave or something um it's like Tanetta would kind of be the end result of that. But uh, anyway, uh, people in the U.S., they may have c come across some of his videos because a few of them have gone viral. But uh, one of the really cool episodes that I did of my podcast is a two-part series about kind of the life and legacy of Tanetta. And in the second part, I had him on as a guest and uh, he, t he told his life story, which was amazing. But that's where it gets really fascinating. Uh, after I did the episode with him, he's the only guest I ever paid. He refused to come on the podcast unless I paid him. Uh, so I sent him and he doesn't have a bank account. So I sent him in the mail $100. <laughs> and, uh, and, and then he was willing to come on my show. Oh yeah, so I see Tim has the photo of Tanetta dancing to that's a still from his video for pressure zone he's holding a remote control as if it's a microphone and he's dancing singing pressure zone Dude, this this video is screwed up well can you <laughs> i don't know if you can hear the lyrics the lyrics are what really make it because and what's actually what's surprising is his music is actually great he can he can really write and perform music he's a great guitar player very unique Really catchy. It, it does sound pretty good. <laughs> but so I did the episode with him and he was so uh, delighted at the respect that I showed him and for his uh, art. Uh, he sent me something as a thank you. I want to show you something. He sent me this package in the mail, which is just like labeled like a nut. And that's my P.O. box, <laughs> so I don't mind using it. But from, yeah. what he included is a bunch of pins which are pins of like his, this, let me zoom in here. This is like nice. his mask. Then he has a picture of John Lennon, but it says, uh, says Tanetta under it as if it's Tanetta. But he told me during the interview that he actually believed that when John Lennon died, his music writing got better. And he thinks that there's a connection there. In fact, he wrote a song written from the point of view of John Lennon singing to Yoko from Beyond the Grave, which is actually really good. Um, he sent me a photo. But what he sent me that's really cool is he sent me two DVDs. One is on the front cover of it. It says like Tanetta 109 videos. So I put that in my computer and it is exactly what it what he says. It's 109 videos of him 
writing or of him performing dancing to songs that he wrote and he does pretty much when he was active on youtube he would do a video a day where he would write record a song then make a music video of him dancing with a weird costume and put it out so this is just 109 of them but that he also <laughs> sent me something oh god a, oh god a dvd called nasty tonetta and i thought maybe it's bad music or something um but actually what happened is as a thank you for the episode I made about him, he sent me about probably about six hours of pornography that he made. Wow. <laughs> Set to his music. <laughs> what, what with like him wow. it's like the performing? So, well, you saw the the video there of him like dancing and singing his song his songs. Well, and I say he's prolific, like he makes like one or two songs a day. Turns out he was making probably three a day, but one of them was not suitable for YouTube. So it's like he sent me like a hundred <laughs> songs that are I've never heard before with music videos made, except it's like not suitable for YouTube. <laughs> and Gin in some of them, he has, and... there's other band members, I guess, is a good way I would say it. Ginger but in one. the chat says, well, how thoughtful. Yeah, it's very thoughtful of him. But if anyone is a, has never experienced Tanetta, go down the YouTube rabbit hole and see one of the weirdest but most unique artists Canada has to offer. Yeah, it's T O N E T T A, um, and he's got quite a bit of views too on on these videos. Yeah, well, um, each, each one has been, been yeah, each one has been uploaded multiple times by multiple people his original accounts were taken down so uh -huh. random people are just like uploading his old videos and stuff but like say that one pressure zone which is probably his most popular collectively probably has millions and in fact i think early on joe rogan talked about him in an episode of that podcast long long ago but but anyway he's uh he's one of my favorite kind of topics that came up in my podcast mm -hmm. I, I like 81 inch prime ass. That's that's my jam. That's actually a good song if you play it. It sounds like a Beatles song. <laughs> you know what? Like that's actually a pretty good comparison. <laughs> like I have to say, it it's kind of has a John Lennon sound to it. Yeah, good. Well, I'm glad does, uh, I made you hip. Lennon solo. Yeah, you find them all, Jordan. That <laughs> this this came out of the blue, and I am welcoming every single minute of it. Um, yeah, well, there's there's a lot of that weird stuff out there. That it, you brought up like the Keep Canada Weird series. It's um, yeah. There there are so many little wild stories like that, and I'm sure it's it's the same pretty much anywhere like in the world. Is there's these localized wild stories that you only find out about if you kind of know the people in that area and they are like, yeah, I got to hear this crazy story. Um, and that's kind of like one of the huge benefits of having like an audience who follows your podcast is you get the feedback directly from all these people. So you're getting all these kind of like insider kind of tips and stories, which is just, I don't know. I, I love that. And my show is I'm so focused on Canadian stories that it's like I really have like kind of a network around Canada that, you know, keep get me hip to what's going on in the weird little corners. But yeah. Have you ever had a story that's come along where you're like, it's just too weird for me to touch? No, I don't think so. I, I'm kind of the weirder, the better. I've had some that are too dark to touch. Uh, any okay. that involve like the ones that turn me away for sure are ones that um, involve children. 
that I, that's like just a sensitive spot for me. So there are some that, that are just too difficult for that reason. Uh, there's one, a famous story in Nova Scotia about a family called the Golers. And it was a family who um, are kind of famous for being incestuous. And they all lived in this one kind of old rundown house and they were all breeding with each other. And it wasn't until things kind of got out of control and one of them went to the police that kind of the public found out about it. And and that's a well-known story in Nova Scotia because there was a book written about it called On South Mountain. Uh, I get a lot of requests for that story, but, and I, and I've kind of started the process of like, how will I do this in a podcast form? And every time I've started it, I'm like, it's, this is just too disturbing. It's like the darkest, grossest kind of nonsense. That's one where I backed away from that a few times. I don't think it's ever been too weird. Uh, and even if something's too weird, the way I, I will take it on is like, I won't, uh, of course I won't like air it live or something. I'll be like, I'm just going to call this person and see where this goes. And, uh, try to make something happen. And I've had a lot of episodes that I record it and then I'm like, I cannot release this. In fact, here's something that's weird that I'm, uh, I'm going to try to pursue is, did you ever get like on your cell phone, you'll just get like a random text that's like marketing or spam or something. And usually it'll say something like, uh, you know, your Amazon package needs to be picked up. Click this link, you know, and you're like, I didn't buy a package, delete that. Um, I got one the other day that was oddly specific to the point that it almost felt targeted. Like it was like someone was like, this is Jordan's phone. And it wasn't a, um, and it's not like a marketing spam. It's just this long message. I'm going to read some of it to you. So I'll block the guys that, well, I'm assuming it's a guy. I'll block the number, but it's, it's, it was a long text that came through from a different area code. That's a province on the other side of the Canada of Canada. And here's what the message says. And I, I believe it to be spam, but I'm trying to learn more about it. So randomly I get a message. Uh, it says, I just feel led to get this out, but I'm here to tell you that judgment is imminent upon this world. The world as we know it will be changed forever and nothing will go back to the way it was. A mass blackout, massive earthquakes, massive tsunamis, famine and war across the nation will very soon come to earth. And then there's a link to a YouTube video, which I checked and it's just some random video that I don't believe is from the author of this message. And I'll get to why in a sec. They then say, God loves you so much, only he can save us from what's coming. And then he has this big, long Bible verse quoted with more YouTube videos that are to different YouTube channels about the Bible verse that he's talking about. But then here's the part that I really like. Uh, what he says is, I also want to point out that aliens are demons. Do not believe the alien invasion NASA will pull off shortly. Starlink and Project Bluebeam will be used for the alien invasion. And do not believe their lies. I have proof. And then there's a bunch of YouTube links again of just random different accounts that are covering kind of the different topics that he's talking about or he or she and then it ends and i wrote back saying like you know this is fascinating i'd like to talk to you and learn of more of course you wrote back oh what? yeah and they did they didn't respond and so and i tried to find out like i've been searching this phone number trying to find out uh, typing phrases in google that are directly from this message trying to figure out who sent this to me and how and why and I've gotten nowhere so far. So, do you have any idea how this could happen? Ah, uh, I don't know. I, maybe somebody had like a uh, like a burner Google number or some sort of like internet number, and uh, 
you know, just taking bulk bulk phone numbers, you know, just kind of going in consecutive order. You might want to look at your, uh, like, take your phone number and do a few digits in either direction consecutively and see if you can find the owners of those phone numbers to see if they received a similar message. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. 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 I wonder. Usually comes from the same. I know when I get some of these messages or or spam call robocalls, maybe they come from my same area code that um that is not the area that I'm in now or anything. So that's one way I know it's definitely a spam call. Let's do something special. I'm gonna call. Uh, I've tried calling the number before, and I've never got. Are you gonna do it live? I got it in my other phone. I'm not gonna call him from my real phone, but I'll try it. <laughs> nice. Let me try it. all right everyone i call this the podcast phone so when i do sometimes i'll do live streams and people can call and just like rather than do it through the online or whatever they can just call this phone um and this number is out there so if i got that message to this number i would assume it was someone writing to me but um it went to my real phone. Sorry, the phone's just booting up. I'll call them, and if and if I can get them, I'm gonna ask them if I can interview them. Could you imagine if like <laughs> like Tim's phone rings? Oh, that <laughs> what? What? <laughs> Whoops! My phone's not ringing. What? <laughs> it's a sound effect. <laughs> I I get these spam messages too. Okay, I'm calling right now. So you guys, he obviously won't be he or she won't be able to hear you if they answer, but I'll put them on speaker and see what happens. I'm going to give him a piece of my mind if he answers. Here we go. You have reached. Jennifer Chadwick. Please leave your message after the tone. After leaving a message, you can Jennifer hang up Chadwick. or press pound for more options. <laughs> Hi, Jennifer. Sorry to call you so late like this and leave you a message. Uh, I just got uh, a text message from your number that it, I, I guess I'll just say it was shocking. It included a lot of information about something that I've been thinking a lot about. So I'm hoping we can reconnect. Um, Hopefully my number shows up, but maybe you could email me. My email address is nighttimepodcast at gmail.com or you could text back the number I'm calling because I would definitely love to talk to you. Thank you, Jennifer. Bye-bye.